0: Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we finish our study of the Book of Lamentations with chapter 5. As noted before, as the other chapters were acrostic poems, chapter 5 is not. It's still got the 22-verse format in our English Bibles, but the, the beginning of each sentence, the beginning of each verse, doesn't carry that pattern from before. Remember, O Yahweh, what has befallen us? Look! and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. We must pay for the water we drink. The wood we get must be bought. Our pursuers are at our necks. We are weary. We are given no rest. We have given the hand to Egypt and to Assyria to get bread enough. Our fathers sinned and are no more, and we bear their iniquities." Slaves rule over us. There is none to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread at the peril of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin is hot as an oven with the burning heat of famine. Women are raped in Zion, young women in the towns of Judah. Princes are hung up by their hands. No respect is shown to the elders. Young men are compelled to grind at the mill, and boys stagger under the load of wood. Old men have left the city gate, the young men their music— The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. For this our heart has become sick. For these things our eyes have grown dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate, jackals prowl over it. But you, O Yahweh, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Restore us to yourself, O Yahweh, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. This is the word of the Lord. That first word is the key to the chapter. Remember. You can include the name of God in that as well as it's directed at him. Remember, O Yahweh. That's the call. That's the request of the text. Jeremiah prays here in the concluding chapter of this book, of this lament, that the Lord would see their peril and that the Lord would save them. That's the immediate um, conversation point for a family to have together. Did the Lord hear their request? Did the Lord hear their plea for mercy? Did the Lord answer? And that's a yes. Yes. Right. In the shorter term, although it's still long, um, in 587 they're conquered, but it's in 538 B.C. that they're restored, sent home. It's not until probably closer to 515, 516 B.C. that the temple itself is going to be dedicated under Zerubbabel. So that's the 70 years of exile in Babylon that you hear elsewhere in Scripture. the Lord does restore them. He has mercy upon them. He does not forget them forever, as verse 22 has suggested was a possibility, and nor has he forgotten us forever in our sins because he has sent our Savior. He has sent his son Jesus to rescue this world, to redeem it from the trespass of sin. He has shed his blood to save us. So that's the answer. I mean, did Yahweh remember his people? Yes, yes, he did. And he did so ultimately by his son Jesus, taking away the penalty, taking away the the stain of sin from upon us. Verse 2, our inheritance has been turned over to strangers. So, I mean, I, I skipped over what has befallen us, right? Look and see our disgrace. Jeremiah is going to spend most of this time sharing the lot, that they have now. What is going on among the Jews? What do they see? What do they face each day? Their inheritance, that is the promised land, the land that was given to them and to their forefathers to give to their children even after them. That land has been taken by God, right? God said he would do it and God did it because of unfaithfulness. That land is now in the hands of strangers. Again, 538 BC, that's reverted, but it's still not going to be their land again. In fact, it never really will be their land again, ever. I mean, historically, that's true even now. I guess, I don't know, maybe next year something happens or a hundred years from now something happens and the Jews get that land back as their own, but that's not really scripturally relevant any longer as Israel is not a nation geographically. Israel is a spiritual nation. It is a church. It is a people. It is you and me and all who believe in Jesus Christ. we have become orphans fatherless that is an acknowledgement that they are without God because of their sin now the Lord has not actually completely cast them off from himself the Lord does still care and the Lord is still planning to provide so they're not as orphaned as they think verse 4 we must pay for the water we drink the wood we get must be bought I read that verse and just thought in my mind immediately is like yeah us too. we have to pay for that stuff Yeah, we are not on land of our own. Our inheritance, well, our inheritance yet awaits us. This is not our home. This is not our land. And you can know that because even if you actually own your own home outright, you still have to pay property tax. It's not really your land or your home, no matter how much you think it is. There is a home that is being prepared for you. Christ is doing it. He has promised it. And it will be yours. Paradise. That is your home. That is where you are a citizen. And you are a citizen there forevermore. That's where our hope is. Anyway, verse 5. Pursuers are at their necks. They're weary. They have no rest. That's a picture of running for your life. Right? Um, The... The animal is chasing you to, to eat you, and you've run so long you're tired of running, but if you stop running, you, you die. So you have to just keep going. And that's the picture here of, of what's happening. And again, maybe accurate for Jeremiah as even the Jews that he is among in Egypt will, will strike him down before too much longer. Verse 6, they've given their hand to Egypt and Assyria. That's a reference to trusting in them, right? They have gone to them for food. They've been doing this for a long time, going all the way back to Abram. When Genesis 12, a famine hits the the land that God had just promised to his family, Abram leaves the land that God had taken him to, and he goes down to Egypt to survive a famine. There's no instruction by God to do that. He just does it on his own accord. Well, perhaps similar as they've continued their history, right? So the kings over Judah and even over Israel before that have all too often trusted in the power of the surrounding nations rather than trusting in the provision of their God. So they have falsely put their hopes in another. Our fathers sinned and are no more. Simple recognition of fact that would be true of anyone, right? All of us, we have lost the generations that go before us they were sinners, as we are. We bear their iniquities. That original sin is passed on. Now, in their case, they are paying the consequences for the sins of their fathers, and that does sometimes happen today as well. Slaves rule over us. That shows you how low in Babylon uh, the Israelites become. It doesn't get any lower than having the lowest ruling over you. None to deliver us. Now, ultimately, that's not true. Cyrus, the great, the king of Persia, will deliver them. They just got to wait 50 years, 48 years, whatever it actually is. We get our bread from at the peril of our lives, so it's dangerous for them to even go out and work the field. It's dangerous for them to try to get food for their families. I do want to ask... All right. I want to encourage you to ask your children, how do we get our bread today? And I want to encourage you to be careful that what you teach your children as an answer to that question doesn't sound like verse 6. We have given the hand to Egypt and to Assyria to get bread enough. We have given the hand to America and to whatever business to get bread enough. That's what I don't want you to be answering. Ultimately, I want you to be focusing on the Lord's Prayer give us this day our daily bread that it is the lord who provides for all of the needs of his people and yes he can do that through means and so parents go to work dad goes and works he makes money to put food on the table for his family the lord is working through that husband through that father the lord is working through that situation to provide for his people but our trust is in god Even if dad loses that job, God can provide. That's the point we got to focus on. Verse 10 gets at their manual labor, so their skin is hot. They live in the burning heat of famine, so there's not a lot of food around. Verse 11, that the women are raped. Terrible situation. Plural sounds frequent. Princes are hung. So the leaders of the people put on display like criminals. No respect is shown to the elders. That's a fourth commandment issue. Young men are compelled to grind. So just the manual labor again. Boys staggering under loads of wood. They don't have the strength yet to do the work that's being required of them. The old men have left the city gate. The city gate is where the elders of a city would Basically, lead that community from. They would discuss the matters of what we call politics. That's how you run a city, right? That's what politics is about. At least it's supposed to be about how you run a community. And so that's what they would discuss there. Um, If they needed to discuss battles or war, they could do that. If they needed to discuss economic issues, they could do that. Um, Those sorts of things. The young men have given up music because they simply don't have the the time for it or as verse 15 suggests, the joy for it. That's a troublesome verse. And they're really more troublesome than the others and I know that might sound difficult to believe. There are dangerous and difficult things in these verses but, I mean, verse 15, the joy of our hearts has ceased. Maybe it's just the way I teach the word joy but when I teach the word joy, I don't talk about happiness. I talk about The faith that we have in christ that god is our joy and that can't be taken away from you see as they root their joy and feelings and in stuff that can be taken away and it has all of their stuff was taken away in 587 and their emotions were attached to the stuff so that's been taken away too and thus they have no reason to dance and they have no reason to sing or to make melody but when, even the way I phrase that right make melody to the Lord they don't see that at this point there's still the call to repent upon them the crown has fallen from our head woe to us for we have sinned and there's that repentance at least in part it's a confession the crown has fallen there might be another conversation point here do we wear a crown do we get to wear a crown there are actually numerous new testament references crown of life crown of righteousness that the lord will put on our heads on the day of judgment when we have finished the race whether it's a literal crown or not i don't actually know um, just as we are told we will be given a white robe i don't know if that's a literal white robe or not or if those are symbols to just teach us about uh what paradise is going to be that we will reign with christ and that our sins have been washed away but maybe paul talks about it james talks about it john talks about it i mean the apostles talk about this crown so we do have a crown and it has not fallen from our head because christ is the one who will put it there and the lord will not let it be taken the phrases heart sick and eyes dim refer to being near death. So admitting the, just how dire the situation is and that they are near the end of life. Mount Zion, Jerusalem, lies desolate. They've lost everything. Verse 19, here's your flip. You, O Yahweh, reign forever. Your throne endures all generations. So it's been a pretty gloom chapter up until that verse, but that's it. That's the point. God reigns, even now, even over this, even over this tragedy, even over this, well, judgment. God is still in control, and the Lord always will be, and he will redeem his people. That's the point where you've got the request in verse 21 restore us to yourself oh yahweh that we may be restored renew our days as of old if god does it it's done right i know verse 21 sounds a little odd restore us to yourself oh yahweh that we may be restored but i mean that's the point if god does it it's done if i restore you to myself yeah okay there might be benefit to that right in our human relationship with one another if, if you had sinned against me but that is very easy to break again and very easy to cast aside as we are both sinners but if christ restores you to himself which he has that cannot be easily cast aside in fact it cannot be overcome by anyone except by you forfeiting it by your choice you can walk away but that's it Christ restores, you are restored. If God does it, it's done. This is what we see in the cross, that your sins are forgiven, and that's true. There is no sin that you can possibly commit that the Lord Jesus Christ cannot forgive. That one unforgivable sin that this New Testament talks about is unbelief, a rejection of the Holy Spirit, which if you reject the Holy Spirit, you're rejecting repentance. If you reject repentance, you're rejecting forgiveness. That's why it's an unforgivable sin, because you're saying, I don't want forgiveness. I don't want to be forgiven, so you're not. But that's it, because Christ has done the work. Christ has shed the blood. The price has been paid. You are his. You are free. (laughs) Well, you're free to be his. And then the empty tomb. If God does it, it's done. Christ has risen from the grave. The tomb could not hold him. Death could not hold him. It is finished, and it is done for you as well. The Lord has promised that in your baptism you have been buried with Christ, you will also be raised with Christ. And then the sacraments. If God does it, it's done. How do you know you're forgiven, brother? Well, I know I'm forgiven because Christ said so. He did it for me and then he put it on my lips. He put his body and his blood on my lips. He put his body and his blood on the the lips of my pastor to speak to me that forgiveness of sins. He gave these gifts to us. And so I know it's true. And if I have doubts, I can go ask a, a, my pastor. If you have doubts, you can go ask your pastor. Are, am I actually forgiven? I mean, Did I do something that is so bad God cannot forgive it? You are forgiven. You cannot do something so bad God cannot forgive because you are not bigger than God, nor is your sin. Verse 20 is what I skipped. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us so many days? I mean they've hardly gotten started really jeremiah is writing this just after the fall of jerusalem and they'll be gone for again 40 something years in babylon but we suffer we struggle with this time element don't we it took another 500 plus years to send the messiah and then the messiah jesus promised he was coming soon and we struggle with this we say why do you forget us Forever. Why do you forsake us for so many days? Lord, why don't you come back like you promised? He is coming soon. And we just have to struggle through that time thing not making as much sense as we want it to. The day is coming. Christ will return. And when he does, he will take us to be with himself forever in a paradise because he has not utterly rejected us. He has died and risen again for us. Amen. Thank you.